As you know, we're in the middle of a teaching series or a sermon series that if you've been with us, has been called Relational Reboot. Relational Reboot. And it was through a time of prayer that I felt led of God that we are supposed to move through this, and here's why. We're heading into the holidays. And oftentimes, as we head into the holidays, we interact with people who maybe we need to reboot that relationship, and God's Word calls us to that. I know that he's not here with us this morning, but I wanted to thank Rob Reamer for his sermon that he preached last week about viewing God as Father and how some of us need to be healed up with that perspective because there is a Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and being able to relate to each one as part of the Godhead is mission critical as we follow Jesus and serve others. This morning, the sermon that I felt led through prayer to bring is a sermon that simply is entitled Relational Reboot, Jesus. Relational Reboot, Jesus. The idea here is, is that I want to speak to us or preach to us a message that calls us to be a group of people who look at our relationship with Jesus and ask ourselves the question, do I need to reboot that relationship? One of the amazing things that I've discovered when you deal with a computer or an iPhone, oftentimes if it's not working right, what do you do? You reboot it. You just simply turn it off. As a matter of fact, I was in a computer store with my daughter. We bought her a new Mac computer to go off to college. And believe it or not, she's only had it for about 45 days and the thing had some major malfunctions. So we were there at Simply Mac, they were looking at her computer, and out of my ear I could hear one of the salespeople working with an elderly gentleman who had an iPhone. He said, it's not working properly. And the salesperson asked him, well, when's the last time you turned it off? And the guy said, never. He said, well, if you reboot it, it actually there's a computer, and he was explaining what rebooting is. And I want us to think about that very definitively as we think about our relationship with Jesus this morning. Does my relationship with Christ need a reboot? Now, in order to do this, I'm going to look at the most famous story in the Newer Testament of someone who reboots their relationship with Jesus. And yes, the guy's name is the second best name that's found in the Newer Testament. His name is Peter. And so what we're going to do together, just for the next few brief moments, is we're going to take a look at this biblical story that God inspired to have written into the book of John. And the reason is, is because I believe there are times in life where all of us need to put ourselves into this biblical story and ask myself the question, do I need to reboot or maybe for the first time develop a personal relationship with Jesus? And so we're going to take a look together in John chapter 21, and I'm not going to read all of the verses, but we're going to be reading verse 1 through 25. So John chapter 21, verses 1 through 25. Actually, for the sake of time, we're going to start in verse 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 3. Here's the context. Jesus is dead, buried, and resurrected. 
He has not yet ascended to the Father. And what he's been doing for the past several weeks is he's been going around connecting with people who were his followers, who because of his death, gave up. They walked away. And so Jesus in resurrected body is going around reconnecting. He's rebooting his relationship with different disciples who again were very close to him. But they believed the Messiah would never die. So when Jesus died, they quit following. They gave up. And so again, what Jesus is now doing is in resurrected body, he's going around and he's proving to them that it's truly him, that he, Jesus, is alive and well. And in the story we're getting ready to read, it involves Jesus, Peter, and a miraculous catch of fish. Let's read together John chapter 21, page 881, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. Here's what the scriptures tell us. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Reading on. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was him or that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. I'm a fisherman. There's nothing worse than fishing. And someone from the side of the river yells at you. Have you caught anything? You always want to say, what? (laughs) If you've caught something, you go, oh, absolutely. And you pull out the fish and you're all excited. But if you've caught nothing, the last thing you want is someone to ask you if you're fishing Especially if you fished all night. Have you caught any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net out on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. And he let the other disciples do all the work of bringing the boat to shore. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. Jesus did not need Peter's fish. He had his own. This is the beginning of the story of a relational reboot between Jesus and Peter. And if you would notice with me in this story, Peter makes an announcement. I'm going fishing. Now, I don't know, and maybe you've never read the Newer Testament, you've never read the Bible, that's completely fine. But you would have to understand that Peter was fishing when he first met Jesus. The first time he ever met Jesus, Peter was cleaning or mending his nets. Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee right near Capernaum where Jesus based his ministry out of for three and a half years. It's a tiny little seaside village on the Sea of Galilee. 
And while walking along the beach, Jesus goes along and begins to connect with some fishermen, and he calls them to be his disciples. That's where he met Peter. Peter was a fisherman. And the Bible tells us that in the moment of meeting Jesus, that Peter had put down his nets and followed Christ. But here's what's fascinating. You see, Peter's brother Andrew was also a fisherman. And what's amazing in the ancient world, is, as it is today in many parts of the world, you don't pick your profession. You do what your dad did if you were a man. If your dad's a fisherman, you're a fisherman. In fact, it even tells us in the calling of the disciples that one of the other disciples was fishing with his father, and he left his dad in the nets, and he followed Jesus. You see, Peter is a fisherman. That's what he is. That's how he identifies himself. That's his profession. He always knew he would be a fisherman ever since he was a little boy because that's what he did. And Jesus calls him to follow him. Now, when we look at this story, it's pretty fascinating. Jesus calls out from the shore, have you caught anything? And the response is, they had caught nothing. Now listen, Peter was a fisherman. He went back to fishing. He was a fisherman before he met Jesus. Now Jesus is dead, and Peter goes back to fishing. He's back where he started. Now I have to be honest with you, I love to go fishing. How many of you like fishing? Do you like fishing? Raise your hand, admit it. Fishing has a very near and dear place in my heart because fishing has been involved with a relational reboot in my own personal relationships. You see, my son, who's now one of my closest friends, when he was a young boy, we didn't have anything in common. Peter and I struggled to relate to each other. You see, if you ever look at a picture of my son when he's just a couple days old, he's kind of hunkered down over a soccer, fall, a soccer ball that's propping him up and keeping him from falling. My full confession is, my idea of a son was an athlete. That's what I wanted. That's the order that I put in before I had a child. I wanted an heir to the throne, and I wanted him to be an athlete. Funny enough, my son was not an athlete at all, not even close. If you were to ask him about sports, he'd say, I have no idea why people play them. The only reason why he went to any UVA basketball games or football games is because there were girls there. If they weren't, he probably wouldn't have gone. So Peter was into theater, into literature. He's an intellectual. And I can remember as a young, when he was a young boy, I was so frustrated because I even coached a soccer team to try to get him into sports. And I'll never forget the time I'm coaching his team and I go, Peter, it's your turn to go in. Peter, it's your turn to go in. And I turned around and he was 50 yards. It was at Dardentau Park. He was 50 yards out in the field digging a hole with a stick. He had zero interest whatsoever. 
You know, my full confession is I wish I had tolerated that, but I didn't. And so we struggled to relate. It was my fault, not his. And one day Franny came to me and she said, if you don't reach your son, you're going to lose him. And it's, his, it's your job to go to him. It's not his job to come to you. Figure it out. Well, again, God's voice sounds an awful lot like Fran's. <laughs> so I went into Peter's room within a week or so, and it was, no, it was no hidden secret between us that we struggled. And I said to him, Peter, what do you want to do with daddy? And he knew instantly, he said, I want to buy kayaks. I want to kayak with you. So we went on Craigslist. We bought two kayaks. And we began to kayak and fish together. And the truth of it is, fishing and kayaking became the relational reboot of my life with my son. And then he went out for squash in high school. And I actually, out of pride, went to play him one day. And he whooped me. I literally ran around the squash court because I had played racquetball and had no clue how to play squash, and he knew it. So literally after bumping into the walls for about five minutes, and he was literally whooping me. I think I got to the ball once. He said, Dad, in squash, you need to stand in the middle of the court. So why didn't you tell me that five minutes ago? He said, because I wanted to whoop you. That's why I didn't tell you. But you see, fishing to me is something I love, but it's a relational reboot for me and my son. We still love to go fishing to this day. But you see, Peter is a fisherman. And when Jesus wasn't everything he wanted Jesus to be, he said to his disciples, the other disciples, Peter makes this announcement, I'm going to go fishing. But you know what's amazing? He caught nothing. The night that Peter goes back to where he was before he met Jesus, he caught no fish. None. Let me pitch this to you. A life outside of a relationship with God will eventually lose its shine. I don't know how else to put it other than that. A life outside of a relationship with God through Jesus eventually loses its shine. Can you imagine Peter going back to what he used to do and he catches nothing? And then all of a sudden, a guy from the shore tells him to do something that makes absolutely no sense. Put out the net one more time on the other side of the boat and all of a sudden, the net is absolutely full. It's packed full of fish. You know what Peter could have done in that moment? He could have got up in the boat, stepped out onto the bow of that fishing vessel, and he could have lifted his hands over his head, and he could have said, gentlemen, this is the apex of my life. This is the fishing trip we've all been waiting for. This is what we've prepared our entire lives for. Men, we are fishermen. Look at this net. It is so full of fish that it's breaking. It was the catch of his lifetime. And he could have stood on the bow of that ship and announced, men, this is the apex of life. This is the best it will ever be. Look at this, men. Look what we have done. We've achieved it. 
we've achieved. We've arrived. We are truly fishermen. But John, the writer of this gospel and the disciple whom Jesus loved, whispers to Peter, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. You know what I would say? That some of us need a relational reboot with Christ. And the reason why is this. You've either found out that life has lost its shine or God has blessed you tremendously but you've stood on the bow of the ship of life and you've announced to yourself, look what I've accomplished. Look what I've done. Look, my goodness. This is what I was always... Now just look, look what I've done. And I would encourage you to look in the rearview mirror and put on a different lens and begin to recognize that God has blessed you. If you have reached the apex of your goals, just trust me, that's the blessing of the hand of God. I know many people, as a matter of fact, I've never met with a man over lunch who was checking out Jesus, who or who at one time had walked with Jesus, but maybe had drifted. Not a single person I've ever met with in life and met for lunch where I have said to them, do you believe God has never touched your life? Every single man will say something like this. Well, you know, funny you should mention that. But you know, I needed to make a job change. And I just happened to go to X and X store. And while I was in that store, I bumped into a college buddy. And after bumping into the college buddy, my college buddy said, hey, I know another guy that's looking for someone just like you. And by the time that scenario worked itself out, I made $50 million. And my question's always this. So you believe God did that? And they'd say, yep. Wasn't smart enough. There was just something behind that. There was just something that pushed that. There was something that put that together. I could have never planned it that way. I'd say, do you believe that's God? And they say, yes. And I asked the fateful question. What have you done about that with God? Have you ever turned to thank him? If you, have you ever pursued him? Because listen, Jesus is knocking on Peter's heart. And in the moment of going where being a fisherman had lacked all of its luster, it now lacks all of its shine to where now Peter could stand on the boat of that fishing vessel and say, this is the ultimate, I have achieved the ultimate prize that every fisherman on the Sea of Galilee dreams about. I have lived it, I've accomplished it. But then John, the writer of this gospel, whispers to Peter, it's Jesus. And in that moment, what does Peter do? <laughs> I love this. He dives in. He dives in. He could have waited for the boat to come to shore, but he doesn't. John, under the inspiration of, of the Holy Spirit, is so specific to make sure that we know that Peter dove in to get to Jesus. Let me put this simply. For some of us this morning, it's time to dive in. You've been around Jesus. You've been checking out faith. Some of us have drifted, and it's time for a relational reboot. 
But what I can guarantee you this is, he's worth diving in for. But trust me, putting your toe in the water is one thing. But diving in is a whole nother thing. And for some of us, it's time to dive in. Because you're sitting here and you know that you know that your life has either lost its luster and even if it has, you can look in the rearview mirror and you know that God has been active in your life. And the question has to be, what are you going to do about that? Will you dive in this morning? Will you dive in and move towards Jesus? Will you do that? Now, what fascinates me about this story is this. It's incredible. I think about what Jesus does for Peter. It's shocking to me. Because oftentimes when a grown man looks at faith or looks at something and says, I think I'm done, I'm going to go back to fishing. You see, when Peter says, I'm going fishing, it sounds like it's kind of a topical, benign statement. But if you know Peter, you know that comment was much deeper and much heftier and much heavier than the statement may sound to the uneducated, uninformed ear. When Peter says, I'm going fishing, it's an emphatic announcement that he's going back to do what he did before he met Jesus. And oftentimes we may say, Peter's a grown man. If he makes that decision, let him go. If Peter wants to go back to fishing, who am I to say anything to Peter? Let him go. But you know what I love? That's not the attitude Jesus takes. He says, I'm going to go back to fishing. Can you imagine how that pierced Jesus' heart? And yet, what do you find? There's Jesus on the beach watching Peter. He's not going to let him just walk away. And by the way, if you and I have friends who've looked at faith and said, I think I'm going to walk away, don't just let them walk away. Grown men and grown women need people who will love them and stand on the beach and call out to them about the reality of a God who loves them. It's important. I love what Jesus does for Peter. He stands on the beach and he reaches out to Peter. He doesn't say, Peter, you're a big boy. You want to leave? Go right ahead. Not Jesus. You see, Jesus is the hound of heaven that chases us up the years, down the months, down the weeks, down the days, to where you're sitting right here, right now, and Jesus has been after you. He's the hound of heaven. And then we look at our story. And in this story, Jesus, I'm sorry, Peter dove in and he swims to Jesus. And when he gets there, the Bible tells us, if we pick up our reading again, we discover that Jesus looks at Peter and says, go get some of the fish. And if you were to read it, you would notice that Peter quickly goes and he grabs some fish and he brings them over to Jesus. And then we're going to pick up our reading again. Verse 15, here's what it says. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, 
Guess what John did? Simon Peter's dad. Guess what he was? He was a fisherman. That's why Jesus said that. Simon, you're the son of a fisherman. That's what you are. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What I can promise you is this, that Jesus held out two fish. And he said to Peter, do you love me more than fish? It makes no sense to think that Jesus was pitting that Peter's love against the love of the other disciples. He would never do that. What he did do, though, was he picked up two fish. Those are the fish that Peter just got from the boat. And Peter, Jesus holds them up in front of Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me more than these fish? And Peter's response is pretty simple. Jesus, you know I love you. Jesus asked him the same question three times. And yes, what Jesus is doing is reminding Peter of how he had cursed Jesus and denied Jesus three times by a fire barrel just a couple of weeks earlier when someone asked Jesus just prior to his crucifixion, hey, Peter, weren't you with him? Peter said no. Denied him three times. And three times Jesus comes to Peter and says, do you love me more than these? Peter, are you sure you love me more than these fish? Peter, are you sure? And it says the third time Jesus asks him the question, Peter gets upset. Interestingly enough, when Jesus asks Peter this question, do you love these fish more than me? It sounds like such a nonsensical question, doesn't it? How could you love fish more than a person? Let me ask you a question. What about your education? Do you love that more than Jesus? What about your job? Maybe Jesus would hold out your job and say, do you love this more than me? Maybe Jesus would hold up money, say, do you love this? More than me. And he kind of stands there. And when it comes to a relational reboot with Jesus, there's a time where we have to ask ourselves these honest questions. Do I love those more than him? What's incredible is Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. Why? Here's why. You know what a fisherman does? A fisherman catches fish, cuts off their heads, guts them, and sells them. Sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? You know what a shepherd does? A shepherd literally during the time of Jesus lived with the sheep. The shepherd loved the sheep, and the sheep knew his voice. And the Older Testament paints God as the shepherd of Israel. And the Newer Testament paints Jesus as the good shepherd. And we are his sheep. We are the lambs of his hand. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, your identity is wrapped up in being a fisherman. And if you're going to follow me, you are no longer a fisherman. 
but you are going to be a shepherd. I'm going to transform your heart and you're going to love people and you're going to love God and your identity is going to be transformed. You are no longer a computer scientist. You're now a follower of Jesus who does computer science. You are no longer a teacher. You are a follower of, G of Jesus who teaches. You are no longer a professor on grounds at UVA. You are a follower of Jesus who happens to teach on grounds at UVA. Do you get the difference? One of them is our identity. And Jesus is calling Peter to find his identity in Christ. I share that because some of you are thinking, hey, to do a relational reboot with Jesus means I get to quit my job. Peter got to quit his job. Maybe that's what's wrong with my life. Tomorrow I'm going to go into my boss. See, my pastor told me, it's time to have a relational reboot with Jesus, and I quit. See you later. There's a difference. What Jesus is talking to Peter about is his identity. Where does he find his identity? And I would submit to you, finding your identity in what you do always ends up as a train wreck. But if you find your identity in the God that created you, it's the most liberating, freeing, cleansing, purposeful thing you can experience in life. It doesn't mean that we're sloppy at what we do. It means that my identity is found in Jesus. If you were to read the tail end of this story, here's what John writes. He writes this. Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be, that would be written. John ends his gospel by saying this. If he kept writing, there's not enough books to tell us everything that Jesus has done. But I believe when John wrote John 21, 25, it was a prophetic statement about you and me. That what Jesus would do was not going to stop with Peter. But throughout the centuries and the generations, there would be many others whose lives would be rebooted with Jesus. And because of that, John prophetically looks into the future. And he looks into this room prophetically even up in the stadium seating, John prophetically looks into the future and says, I know that what just happened to Peter is going to happen billions of times. Where people are going to meet Jesus. Where they've said, I'm going to do life my way. But Jesus loves us enough to stand there and to call to us. And to allow us the opportunity to have a relational reboot with him. As we close out our time, I believe that Jesus wants us to be a group of people that reboot our relationships, not just with him, but with people as well. Because ultimately this encounter that Peter has with Jesus literally transforms him and if you read the Gospels and into the rest of the Newer Testament, 
you can tell that Peter's perspective on people is radically transformed. And he's a person that follows Jesus and serves others from that day on. Would you stand with me as we prepare to close out our time? Now, oftentimes, there's a request that somehow you would participate in response to the message. This morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. And I know it may appear like it's a little bit cheesy. I'm aware of this. But down front, in baskets on the stage, and in the back, on the flat spots, right next to where the cameras are, there are these tags that you can put on your keychain or you can put somewhere where you can see it frequently. And it's a tag that says Relational Reboot. Here's a picture of them. For your response to this morning's message, I believe we need to take a physical response to dive in. If you're willing to do that, and it might be a relational reboot with Jesus. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus before, but this morning you're going to dive in with him. Or you have relationships in your lives where right now you know that God is tapping on your heart to go and to see those things become what God would want them to be. The response as we sing this worship song together is that when you're ready to make a move, I'm going to encourage you to step out from your seat and that you would either come down front and grab one of these or you would grab one in the back on the flat area between the two different sections of seating. But you would take this, maybe keep it in your pocket, maybe put it on your keychain, but you're going to make a relational reboot with Jesus primarily or with others. Let's begin to worship together. When your heart's in that place where you're ready to make the move, I'm going to ask you that you would dive in, that you would have a physical response to the call of God this morning, and go ahead and grab one of those as we worship. Let's worship together.